It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now, here's Eric Lutie. Well, guys, let's just start with prayer. Father, I pray that you would continue to just move us forward as a body and that you would, uh, just like a snowball, uh, cause this to gain more and more momentum. Uh, And I pray that the spiritual life uh, packaged within these little uh, morning devotions would be rich and that each of us would be ready to hear what you desire us to hear today. I pray that we would be... uh, tenderize and sensitize to your Holy Spirit at a greater measure, and that uh, we would hear your voice, we would understand your way, Lord, that we would uh, not allow this world to overtake us and to snuff out uh, the life within us, but that we would allow the Holy Spirit to be like a wind upon a fire and uh, rouse us to a, a roaring hot level for Jesus Christ. We love you and just submit to you this morning. Amen. So as you guys know, I like to uh, name everything I do, even devotions. Uh, Isn't that fun? Uh, So the burning bush. Uh, Actually, I feel like I'm giving too much of my message away by titling it that because that's sort of my whole point. But uh, I I wanted to call it uh, heartburn, but then that would have been uh, what Nathan named his session from yesterday. So, which is actually ideal, and I was thinking about that this morning. It, you know, Nathan was bringing up yesterday the idea of being on the road to Emmaus and did not our hearts burn within us. And there's something about fire and our God. And it's interesting because even the word for being in stride with the world, whether or not you use it, but the word for being in stride with the word is, world is cool. And it means tepid, lacking heat. Isn't that fascinating? Whereas the Christian cannot be cool. The Christian needs to be red hot. And so uh, I'm just going to bring that to the surface today just as a reminder to all of us that there's a tendency to desire. We wouldn't purposely go after tepid, but tepid fits in better with the world. Red hot doesn't fit. It causes problems. It scorches things around us. And so as a result, we have a tendency when we're not around red hot to just naturally cool down and to become more like the world. Though we're not like the world, none of us would ever say we want to be like the world. We would rather be closer to the world, like closer to Egypt than closer to the giants in the promised land. It's like, hey, if we're going to choose our side. So the burning bush. Now, I didn't give anything away because I didn't make any commentary on that, okay? Uh, I know thy works. This is Jesus speaking to the church at Sardis. And he says, I know thy works. Thou hast a name that thou lives and art dead. So they have a reputation for uh, being alive. It's like, oh, those, that, that church down the road is so alive. And yet Jesus is saying, but I'm going to tell you the truth, guys. You're dead. And so they look alive. They have an appearance of being alive, but they're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. 
that second part of that is what I would say is the hallmark scripture for us at Ellerslie. It's, uh, if you ever read uh, Brother Andrew, God's Smuggler, his, I don't know if you call it life verse, but for a whole season of his life, when he was going behind the Iron Curtain, it was exactly that. It was strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So something is dying. It may look alive, but it's dying. And the commission at Sardis is to strengthen it or to fan into flame those dying embers lest they go out. And so that is the heartbeat of what you have entered into here is we have a desire to see that which is waning strengthened. So Sardis, it means the red ones. That's actually what the translation would be. So it's interesting because when you ponder that, the color red all throughout scripture is used. And when I say red, and if I were to say name some things that are red, it's fascinating. We could have a brainstorm here, and it would be very interesting, but there's a lot of red things in Scripture. And this, this color red is, is just fascinating because it's both ways. Like, for instance, David was ruddy. Remember that? He was of ruddy complexion. And you know, Goliath seems to even mock him. Uh, for Whether that means he had red hair and freckles, we're not exactly sure because you know, his description is that he is handsome. And so... Whatever that is, red hair, freckles, is handsome, that's great. You know, so your mental picture, I usually get a little Dennis the Menace type of picture in my head when I think that. But uh, he was handsome, so we do know that. But he was ruddy, of ruddy complexion. Then you have like Esau, or he's also called Edom, which means red, which comes from Adam. Adam is red. He's a red one. Adam is a red one. Isn't that an interesting statement? Adam, well, who, God creates man and creates him from the, uh, the dust of the earth, which is red. And so Adam is one made from the earth. He's earthy. Remember that in Corinthians when Paul says the first man is earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven, but they're both red. Think about Jesus now. When he goes to battle, what color is he? When he's hanging on that cross, what color is he? Just like David, he was of ruddy complexion. He's red. And so you have these symbols of earthiness or flesh, and you have these symbols of spirit, but they're both red. So you have Sardis, the red ones. Well, in the church, we have red ones, but we have some that are red of the wrong sort, and we have some that are red of the right sort. So the two kinds of red, red of this earth, Adam, Edom, the firstborn, the flesh. And then you have red of heaven, David, Jesus, the second, the twice born. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. He's red. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And strangely, he's red, but they're a different sort of red. So the red of this earth, those with ears shut to the spirit. So one of the things you always notice about that first is they seem to miss what God is desiring. And they are not sensitive to the work of the Spirit. See, the second is of the Spirit. The first is of the earth. So they're very sensitive and their ears are attuned to the things of the earth. You ever had a season of being the first form of red where you're very conscientious about how you look? You're very conscientious about how other people are thinking about you? You're very sensitive and your ears are attuned to the things of this earth. The world system speaks very loudly to you, and it's weird, but you can hear it, and you know what it's thinking, you know what it's saying, and you care. And you may not want to care, especially when you're sitting here, you're like, oh, why do I care? 
But that's a sensitivity point. That's like being red for this earth. The second, those with ears open to the spirit. So the same way that you could be sensitive to what the world thinks, could you imagine having that much care about what God thinks? That's, that's what God's referring to, uh, even in Revelation. When we see Revelation 3, 6, he that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says unto the churches. Now, if any of you have ever heard me comment on this scripture, because it says it over and over again throughout the book of Revelation, he that has an ear, let him hear. Well, we all have ears. We don't all have spiritual ears. We don't all have consecrated ears. We don't, have, we all, we don't all have ears like a bondservant that have returned unto their master and submitted their ears and say, I have an ear for you, pierce it. The priests in uh, Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel, Exodus 29, actually have ears smeared with blood. Why? As a symbol of consecration, saying, I have an ear for my Lord's word. And what his word says, I will do. And so not everyone has an ear smeared with blood. Not everyone has a pierced ear. But those that do have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So there's a greater dimension or a greater degree of hearing. There's a greater sensitivity to the hearing of the world, and there's a greater sensitivity to the hearing of the spirit. And so just as a fresh reminder, we as Christians, if we find ourselves warming to the things of this earth, that should be a signal to us of change, a needed change. What we desire is to be warmed and sensitized to the heating of the Holy Spirit. So two kinds of red, the red of this earth, those unwilling and unable to bear the anguish of the spirit of God, the red of heaven, those unwilling and those, I should say willing, sorry, those willing and empowered to bear the anguish of the Spirit of God. So you have those that God has a burden. He has something he desires to do in this earth. And did you know that it's totally inconvenient if you were to actually be willing to heed what God desires to have done in this earth, it's really going to mess up your life. I mean, you have plans, you have desires, and if you were to warm to what God has on his heart, it's really going to gum up your plans. And so as a result, there are those that are unwilling, and they are not yielded to what God's burden is. Okay, They're red of this earth. They are warm to what the earth's agenda is. You know, you can always see what the earth's agenda is. It's the latest trailer that comes out, and by the way, I, I've... I'm one that can enjoy a good movie just like anyone else. But the latest trailer is coming out. Did you see what's coming out? Okay, the, the, the great game on the weekend. It's the new season. Maybe hunting season is just around the corner. There is something of this earth that warms us and invites us. And it, that, that is what we build our plans around. And then God has a burden. It's like, I don't really want to hear God's burden. God's, God's burden, I can just see it. It's going to be right on that Friday night when I'm going to go to the movie. That's when God's burden will unfold. You know, you know how he is. He always has a burden, and it's right smack in the middle of my fun. You see, that is showing you something in your soul. If you find yourself warmed to the things of this earth instead of the things of heaven, and you're unwilling to give up the things of this earth for the things of heaven, well, let that be a barometer. So the red of heaven are those willing. Sorry, we need to take the un. That's, that's a very uh, unfortunate uh, typo there those willing and empowered to bear the anguish of the Spirit of God. Now, I just want, let's do a quick quiz here. Uh, it's like a pop quiz. 
for us. Now, you don't need to say your answer out loud. This is an internal quiz. If you were asked, you know, I, I heard that God has a burden uh, and anguish that he needs to share with someone today. Someone needs to carry it. Uh, so he's looking for one of his saints to carry it today. Now, many of us are sort of like, hey, well, I'm doing a, a work week uh, this week. We're fixing up the campus, and I, I really don't have time for a burden or some anguish. Uh, so maybe there's someone else that would be available. So they come to Nathan, me, or Sarah, and we're like, we're trying to get everything together for the, uh, the weekend conference. We have a whole bunch of students coming in. I don't really have a lot of time for a burden and some anguish today. And so the point being, do you follow me? We always... We'll have the dead to bury. We'll have, you know, something to do. There's something that always needs to be done in this earth. But what the red of heaven seems to be is a willingness. Even when, like David, is delivering bread and cheese, he's doing his duty. He has a lot to do. He has to check on the war, see how things are going. But he has the red of heaven. And so when he sees Goliath there, he suddenly has the anguish of God. And he has the burden of God, and he's willing to set down his bread and cheese and he's willing to pick up the cause of God at every turn. He has the red of heaven. Did I miss one? No. All right, two kinds of red. The red of this earth, clay, dust, earthy. Red of heaven, blood and fire. Isn't that interesting that both of those are red? Blood and fire, and just think about what they both symbolize. Blood, life, fire, I mean, you could, it either is refining and purifying or it's destroying. And so it depends on which side of the fire you're on. If you agree with the fire, it seems to refine you and purify you. Look at the end of Malachi. Malachi seems to be purifying the saints of God. He's going to come in fire, right? But he's also going to turn to ash those that resist him. So it's sort of like, remember the Red Sea? The Red Sea is like that. If you agree with God, then the Red Sea is your salvation. It's your deliverance. If you disagree with God, you're going to be swallowed up in it. It's the same way we see with fire. It has those two sides to it. That if you agree with God, it purifies you and makes you shine brighter. But if you are against God, if you side with the earth, eh, things don't turn out so hot. Okay, remember my title? The Burning Bush. See, some of you, that was a really good title. I didn't give too much away, so maybe you didn't catch where I was going with this. But it's the foreshadow of the twice born. Unless you be born again, unless you become a second, if you are still of this earth, burning for this earth with a, with a warmth towards this earth, you have no part with the kingdom of heaven. You have to be willing to forsake your first domain, your first residence in Adam, to put on a second residence, Jesus Christ. You have to put off a first red so that you can be clothed in a second red. So... Jesus is called the last Adam. You could call it the last red or the second red. Isn't that an interesting statement? He's the second red. And unless you are clothed in that second red and you have a fire and a heat for the things of heaven, something's wrong. So in a world like we live in, in a Christianity that we live in, American Christianity sort of prizes itself in being warm towards this world and yet having a head nod towards heaven. It's like, oh, well, that's just the way it works for all of us. We, we all participate in this world. We enjoy the world's luxuries, the world's uh, plenty, but then we give a head nod to heaven and we thank him for it. Instead of recognizing that we have to be willing to let go of the things of this earth, we have to be willing to relinquish that first red, to take on the red of heaven. So what that means practically for us, eh, 
You know, each one of us can be touched by the Spirit of God uniquely because it's not that, you know, for instance, eating food is bad. You can say, well, but, you know, that's, that could be of the earth. It could. And that's where selfishness, when selfishness leads in your eating, it's not to the glory of God. But you can eat and drink to the glory of God because God's, you know, we're, we're commanded to do so. So obviously we know that it's possible. And just like the way we spend our, our time, it does not mean that we have to be just out evangelizing every moment of the day. There is fellowship time. There's rest time. There's time near the still waters where we're made to lie down. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, is it self-absorbed or is it Christ-absorbed? Is it the red of this earth or is it the red of heaven? And so as we navigate through this to recognize that there's a picture in the Old Testament of this, and it's a burning bush. A burning bush is, we're the bush, by the way, if you're wondering. And just sort of an average everyday thing that's, uh, you know, there's nothing about a bush that stands out until God invades it. And suddenly the red of heaven comes into it. And then it becomes the mouthpiece of God, the revelation of Jehovah God in this world. And it's not consumed. It's an amazing thought that the fire of heaven desires to live inside of us and we are not consumed. So the Holy Spirit's request. All right, guys, I want you to listen closely because this is quite intense. I need to give birth to the life of Christ in this world. All right, do you hear it? The Holy Spirit is saying, I need to give birth to the life of Christ in this world, first inside you, then inside others through you. But to do this, I must have your body. I must have your tongue, your eyes, your hands, your feet, and your heart. I must have your mind, your ears, your time, your talents, and your future. I need a heart to burden, a mind to bear my anguish, a soul to carry my ache, a body to be bent, eyes through which to pour out my tears, a forehead through which to sweat great droplets of blood, and a mouth through which to do my groaning. We've got a lot to do in life, and that's rather inconvenient, don't you think? You see, you are not of this earth anymore. You were bought with a price. Why? So that you could be his answer. So that you could be his instrument. I mean, I go through the same challenges inside of me. I love to accomplish things. I love to check off tasks. But I want to be available to the Holy Spirit. I genuinely do. I want the church of Jesus Christ in this generation to be stirred to a point of action, but not just of the doing sort where we are scrubbing floors and you know, cleaning toilets type of doing, as much as I want to be the doing sort that are ready to say, Holy Spirit, whatever you desire to do in this body, I'm ready. So I want us to, as we close today, to consider just a fresh consecration to God, to say, Lord, I don't want to be just after the things of Egypt. I want to be after the things of your promised land. And many of us get caught halfway in between, where we still love Egypt and we esteem the promised land, but we're stuck in the wilderness as a result. I want us to be willing to forsake Egypt, turn our back to it completely, and head squarely into the land that flows with milk and honey, and let's do this thing. We got 31 hostile giant empires 
that are standing in the way of God getting his glory and his due in this generation. He has promised us this land. And he says, rise up and take it. Don't you believe that I can do it? But what he needs to be able to do that are ones that are red hot for his glory. Red hot for his purposes in this earth. Not red hot for the things of this earth that care about the next great movie release, but care far more about what he is doing in this world. So whatever that means for you as an individual to freshly lay your life before him and say, God, make me hot for the right things. Let's go after that. Father, start with me. I pray that we would be like malleable clay in your hands this morning. That we would allow you to press into us and to shape us into precisely what you desire. Lord, if you have a burden for a lost soul, if you have a burden for someone in agony right now, if you have burden for someone who is uh, homeless, someone who's about to abort their child, if you have an agony or a burden that you desire to share with us, Lord, it would be our privilege to receive it. Lord, isn't that why we are here? Isn't that what we do as Christians? And may we never get so busy that we are unavailable to you, Lord. So I pray that we would, as your body, freshly consecrate ourselves and give ourselves to you with a yes, Lord. Father, I just ask that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit, just as Nathan said yesterday, that you would guide us, take us by the hand and lead us down this journey, that we would understand how to navigate better the twists and the turns of life, and that we would never allow the busyness of this life and the congestion of our culture, the noise of our culture, to dissuade us and to disturb us from the clear path of righteousness. Lord, this is unto you for your glory, honor, and praise. We submit. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.